All right, welcome back to Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Ginelli, and we have Free Agent Frenzy. Yeah, that's what's going on with uh, just about two days until the current CBA expires at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on December 1st. So Thursday morning, the players will be locked out unless an unforeseen change comes in this in the current negotiations. Um, according to all reports, that they've made incremental progress on the CBA talks, but they really haven't gained an, gained enough traction to where we're going to avoid a lockout. Now we could be at a point where you know we're not going to have to worry about games being missed because of a long lockout, but you know this is something that could definitely. Um, impact into the new year and for a lot of free agents a lot of their agents and a lot of the players themselves have looked at the you know the free agent market they've looked at the possibility of either securing their contract now or waiting this whole thing out and then signing after the lockout ends because I think we'll have another bit of a free agent frenzy once the lockout ends, you know, whenever that may be. So, you know, there's two different tactics to it. And a lot of the players just looked at the uncertainty of what the new CBA is going to look like. And they said, you know what, we might as well get our money now because we know we're secure and we know where we're playing baseball in 2022 and potentially beyond if you're if they're signing a multi-year deal. So so I want to break down and look at all the moves and everything will have its own little sequential order if you kind of get catch my drift. And we're going to start with right now the biggest winners in terms of money spent and that's the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers started it off by shocking everybody in signing Marcus Semien to a seven-year, $175 million deal on Sunday. And, you know, we looked at the shortstop market and knew the money would be plentiful with Marcus Simeon on the free agent market, Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Javier Baez, you know, with all these shortstops on the market due for massive nine-figure contracts, Somebody had to be the first domino, and that was Marcus Simeon. And, you know, when I was on here two weeks ago uh, discussing the free agency with John, with, you know, I had a feeling that the Texas Rangers would be hot for Corey Seager. And we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, I really didn't think two guys would be in play. So, And I really didn't think that... Marcus Simeon would be in play if they were going to be interested in Corey Seager. It turns out Simeon becomes the first domino to fall, and you pencil him in at shortstop. But wait a minute. After also that night landing starting pitcher John Gray to a four-year eight-figure deal, they sign today, they sign... Corey Seager. Now, 21 years ago, the largest contract in Texas Rangers history 
was a 10-year, $275 million deal for Alex Rodriguez. It was in the offseason of, of 2000 going into the 2001 season, in which he only ended up spending three years. Because by 2004, he was a Yankee. And Corey Seager blows past that by $50 million by signing a 10-year, $325 million deal that has no opt-outs. Now, you see, you see that a lot. You see that in a lot of deals where, you know, they also want opt-outs and, no, you know, and then the language with no trade clauses and all of that. The, the fact that there's no opt-outs, it's almost like the Bryce Harper the Bryce Harper deal with Philadelphia. You know, Bryce doesn't have any opt-outs in his 13-year contract. Uh, I'm not sure if, much, if Manny Machado does in his San Diego contract, but, you know, it's rare you see a contract that long without an opt-out. And, you know, the Mets, the Mets actually did the same with Francisco Lindor last year. I don't believe there are any opt-outs in his, in his 10-year contract, which now will kick in at the start of the 2022 season. So I guess it's becoming a little bit more common that that, that happens without opt-outs. And, it, but it's, and it's showing a commitment from the player that you know, they're ready to be here long-term. And the Rangers have addressed two major needs, power in the lineup, defense, and their and you know one pitcher in the rotation, you know we'll see, it you know if I will see if they have anything else in store. I know they signed uh, Cole Calhoun as well to a small one year contract, uh, so he he you know, he'll be a part of the Texas outfield. But I mean, man, you have your middle infield for the next seven years with Corey Seager at short and Marcus Semien at second base and. You know it's a t- it's a tough loss by the Toronto Blue Jays, but you know it's one that they can certainly withstand because they you know they have so much young young star power, especially with Bobachet, Vlad Guerrero, you know, Cavid Biggio probably be more of a regular at second base again. So I mean, they're they're in good they're in good shape. You know, I'm not so concerned about. I'm not so concerned about the Blue Jays after losing Marcus Semien. Speaking of being concerned about losing, little concerned for the Los Angeles Dodgers here, and the Los Angeles Dodgers had a bad day today because you know they lose Corey Seager. Now, that's a move that they can kind of overcome because of the fact that, you know, they got Trey Turner, you know, in the summer. You know, they traded Kyber Ruiz and Josiah Gray to get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. And, you know, they always knew that Turner would be the backup plan as the starting shortstop if Corey Seager chose to go elsewhere. And, and I you know... It seemed like they were the other team, the only other team involved in the Corey Seager negotiations. So, you know, I wonder, you know, what, you know, how much over the top 
Texas went to, you know, what lengths they went to to go over the top to make sure that Corey Seager would leave L.A. And at least now, if you're looking at it from a Dodger perspective, you're going to give uh, Gavin Lux regular at-bats at second base. Um, Trey Turner can move to shortstop because, let's be honest, Trey Turner did not look very comfortable at second base last year. He made a lot of errors. His throwing wasn't all that good. And just never seemed to get in a rhythm defensively at second base. So now you shift him back to his natural position of shortstop, and you expect much better defensive production out of him. The other one to keep an eye on is this man's still out there, and that's Chris Taylor. Uh, to me, he he's the all important re-sign for the Dodgers. I mean, he's he's the jack of all trades because, I mean, it seemed like when the when the Dodgers were going bad in the postseason last year, Chris Taylor was coming up with a big hit. Yeah, anytime the Dodgers ever needed something, especially in this past postseason, in which they lost in the NLCS to the Atlanta Braves, it seemed like anytime the Dodgers needed a big hit, it was Chris Taylor. And you kind of saw the same thing in 2019. I mean, in 2020. You know, anytime you needed a big hit, you know, Kike Hernandez would get the job done. I mean, I know there was more there were more players doing well. Chris Taylor had a good postseason. Jock Peterson had a good postseason that year. You know, more guys were getting the job done. But Kike Hernandez was huge for the Dodgers in that 2020, you know, World Series run. He signed, obviously, with the Boston Red Sox in the offseason. And, and now Chris Taylor is out there a year later. And, you know, what the Dodgers have been able to do with these guys who either get non-tendered or just traded in a kind of like forgotten about trade because they really haven't had any set success is the fact that is, is looking at Justin Turner being non-tendered by the Mets, looking at um, Chris Taylor, looking at Max Muncy, you know, those guys have been able to turn around their careers being in the Dodger organization. And that speaks to the org and that speaks to the organization, organizational philosophy and you know, that's one of the reasons why, despite the loss of Seager, I think they'll be okay. Because you, you got Mookie Betts locked in long term. Uh, I believe you're going into year either three or four of the A.J. Pollock contract. So that'll be off the books in a couple of years. You've got two, two good young catchers in Austin Barnes and um, Will Smith. Obviously, Max Muncy will return at second base. You got at first base. You got Cody Bellinger. You would like to see Gavin Lux get regular at bats. Uh, you know the Dodgers are set with a lot of talent still, and their farm system is still one of the best in baseball. You know, as as for as much as they spend, and they had a crazy payroll. They've had a crazy payroll the last few years. What they've done is organizationally build through the farm system as well. So it, it's not that big of a hit if you decide to not pay a certain player and let them walk in free agency. Or, you know, if you're signing guys to make maybe shorter, higher annual average value deals, you can take the hit of that money because you know you have players in the farm system who are ready to come up and make an impact for the ball club. And the Dodgers have that. The Dodgers still have a very good farm system that will 
really help them in the position player department. As for the pitching, I'm a little bit more concerned with the Dodgers, and pitching was their downfall in the postseason. Guys ran out of gas. Julio Urias and Walker Bueller, you know, really wore down at the end of the season and into the postseason, especially in the National League Championship Series. Clayton Kershaw was not there. He was injured. And Clayton Kershaw is one of the pitchers who is on the free agent market. And, you know, if I'm the Dodgers, and to me, Clayton's not a guy I see putting on a different uniform. So, but I think it's ultra important now that the Dodgers make a move to keep Clayton Kershaw in L.A. Because if they don't, I mean, after losing Max Scherzer today to the, to the New York Mets, I mean, I don't know where they're going to turn for pitching. Because, you know, those are your two staples right there. I mean, you, you, you signed Trevor Bauer last year to this, you know, three-year, I think it was $103 million with opt-outs every year. Obviously, he opted in for year two, but we all know what's going on with his legal situation. And, you know, obviously, he's probably never going to put on a Dodger uniform again. I'm not going to get into you know, what he did. You could Google it. That's fine with me. But looking at the Dodger pitching rotation, you know, you're looking at it and it's like, where do they turn after Walker Bueller and Julio Urias? Dustin May is going to be coming off Tommy John surgery. David Price is washed up in, and what and just wasn't good, also was injured. Um... You've had the inconsistent. You've always tried to rely on getting some starts out of <clears throat> Tony Gonsolin, but he's been very inconsistent. And at this point, you're like, Dodgers pitching is not great. And the fact that pitchers are coming off the board, and we're going to get to some of these, and we're going to get to these pitchers in a minute, but, and you know, with pitchers coming off the board, I don't know where to turn. If I'm the Dodgers, are they going to look into Marcus Stroman? I think after what happened with Trevor Bauer last year, I'm not saying Marcus is of that caliber. You know, I think Marcus is a good guy, but he he comes across as a d bag on Twitter, and you know, getting into Twitter fights is not all that rosy, to be honest with with you. And I guess. I don't know. I really don't know where the Dodgers are going to turn. But transitioning now from the Dodgers to the Mets. Because the Mets signed Max Scherzer from the Los Angeles Dodgers. A three-year, $130 million deal to bring the 37-year-old ace who has not shown any signs of slowing down over the last couple of years despite his age you know, starting to get up there. You know, how you know, could this be Max Scherzer's final contract? I mean, he'll be 40 if he sees all all three years through. But he also has an opt-out after year two. I believe he's scheduled to make $87 million over the next two years. And the and the Mets, this was Steve Cohen bringing out the big po- the deep pockets. 
He was showing the money. You know, there was conversation all day yesterday between Mets general manager Billy Epler and owner Steve Cohen, as as well as the reps for Max Scherzer, which includes uh, agent Scott Boris. And they were able to get a deal done this this afternoon. And Max Scherzer now sets the record for annual average value at $43.3 million. That's $7.3 million more than Garrett Cole, who signed a nine-year contract at the start of the, you know, at the beginning, for the beginning of the 2020 season. And then you got guys like Mike Trout, who got 35 and a half per over 12 years. Uh, Strasburg and Rondon got seven years, 35 million per. And Max Scherzer just blows it out of the water. But deservedly so. This is a three-time Cy Young winner, a 2019 world champion, a seven- or eight-time All-Star. I mean, the guy is constantly one of the best. And he's had some nice moments at City Field. He started the All-Star game for the American League in 2013 and pitched a no-hitter at City Field for the Washington Nationals in 2015. So, I mean, Max Scherzer coming to the Mets, and now you provide a one-two punch of Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, two of the elite pitchers in baseball. Two of the, to me, Max Scherzer was the second-best pitcher in baseball. So now you have the, the, the best pitcher in baseball paired up with the second-best pitcher in baseball, and you have a dream, you have a dream top of the rotation. Now... I, I don't believe by any means the Mets should be done. Because, and it, there's no sign that the Mets are done spending. Because the Mets did a lot of, did a lot of spending over the weekend, too. Signed um, Eduardo Escobar to a two-year, $20 million deal. I think there's a mutual option for year number three. Mark Canna gets two years, $27.5 million from... Uh, coming over from the Oakland A's. And also from the A's, so he only spent a half a year, the Mets signed outfielder Starling Marte to a four-year, $78 million contract. And I get a lot of 2013-14 Curtis Granderson vibes. Trying to remember the exact year Curtis Granderson signed that four-year contract. I think it ended up going for like 64. Five million, and you know Starling Marte is going to, you know, get seventy-eight million over the next four years. You'll be able to get away with Starling Marte in center field for the next probably two years, and then you'll worry about moving him to the corner. Well, that's that's what Billy Epler is now tasked with doing: assembling the right scouting department, because. The Mets have to the Mets have to spend big if they have aspirations of not only winning the National League East, not only making a dent in the postseason, but being a world championship contender. This is New York. You know, we are not here to be middle of the road. We are here to win championships. And for the Mets, a championship has eluded them since nineteen eighty six. 
It's now been over 35 years since the Mets last won a world championship. Fans are starving for a, a winner. Steve Cohen is hungry to be a winner. He is not afraid to open up his pockets, and that was that was displayed today by sealing the deal with Max Scherzer. And the only way the Mets are going to do it right now is through free agency. Because one, they don't have enough ammo in the farm system to make a trade for a major player. That's why it's on Billy Epler, it's on the rest of the scouting department and the front office to build the farm system. There's a reason why they're not going after guys like Nick Castellanos or they weren't going after Robbie Ray because they would lose the 14th overall pick based on the qualifying offer that was given to these players. And any, so anybody attached with a qualifying offer, you know is off the Mets list. And it's not for financial reasons. The Mets have, you know, I wouldn't say they're the worst farm system in baseball, but they're certainly bottom 10. You know, they're certainly in like this 21 to 26 range. It's not good enough. And building the farm system is what sustains success over the long haul. And the only way that the Mets will be consistent winners year after year. Because eventually Steve Cohen is going to have to not spend to get under the luxury tax so we can spend big the next year. And we know the Mets are blowing past the luxury tax this year. That's why Javier Baez is not out of the question. And as of 9.56 p.m. Eastern Time, there has been nothing, there has been nothing um, settled. Although there are things on Twitter that might make, might make you think um, Javier Baez might be signing soon. There has, been, there has been thoughts that he would sign tonight. And, you know, the, the Tigers have been involved. The Red Sox somewhat have been involved. The Mets clearly keeping tabs on it if the price is right. I don't think they're going to go. I don't know if they're going to go over $200 million for Javier Baez. But... At this point, I don't, I don't doubt Steve Cohen. I know they're more focused on the pitching staff right now because you still need another starter if you're the Mets. I mean, you can, you can easily go back end at this point, whether it's uh, uh, UC Kikuchi or uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of other names that were mentioned. But And then you need a left-handed reliever in the bullpen. So, I mean, you, you prefer a lefty. I prefer a lefty. As this fifth, as this back of the rotation starter, because the Mets don't have a lefty in the rotation, unless you're going to say David Peterson is going to be that lefty. But David Peterson really has not shown enough in the majors to make me think that the that he, that he deserves to be one of the five starters come opening day. So right now you got four starters penciled in for the Mets next year. You have Jacob Degrom, you have Max Scherzer. You have Taiwan Walker, and you have Carlos Carrasco. The only issue is they're all right-handed. And it's always good to have one left-handed starter because it, throw, it can throw off a lineup and it makes a manager strategize how he sets a lineup a certain day. And having one lefty, to me, is always imperative. And 
so I'd so I'd like to see them uh, pull in a lefty starter. Where they'll go, I don't know, but I'm I'm I know they're they're far from the Mets are far from done. So you know I'm really you know not too concerned. Obviously, you know we talk about the farm system and the draft picks. They're gaining one draft pick because Noah Syndergaard denied the qualifying offer and ends up taking a one-year, $21 million deal to sign with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And they're likely to get a second because, I mean, I, I think now at this point with Marte in the fold, Marcana in the fold, I mean, Michael Conforto is the next Met. I mean, he has not signed anywhere, and I think he's going to be one of the players that's, that does not sign before the lockout. But then again, I could see him returning on a one-year deal if if it gets late and it's like late February and they open things back up and he wants to just get in there before spring training. That's the only that's the only route I could see being taken to uh, a Michael Conforto reunion with the Mets because I think it's I think at this point it's all but over and you know the Mets are going to recoup a. Uh, a uh, qualifying offer draft pick, a compensation draft pick, because they offered him the qualifying offer, just like uh, Noah Syndergaard, both declined. And so once Conforto signs elsewhere, I know the Mariners have been interested in him, and you know they've spent some nice chunk of change. We'll get to them in a little bit. But um, you know the Mets are recouping the draft picks, and that's why they don't want to give them away. So, but speaking of the Angels, the Angels are the next team I pivot to because just like the Dodgers, I'm a little confused as to what their offseason plan is. Sure, they signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year, uh, $21 million deal. They signed Michael Lorenzen to a one-year, $7 million deal to pitch out of the bullpen. But, I mean, this was a team, I mean, this, and this was a team in on Max Scherzer, but ultimately they were not going to the lengths that the Mets were, and clearly... I don't think Artie Moreno planned on paying a pitcher $43 million. I mean, that's just facts. I, you know, the Dodgers might have on a two-year deal, but it seemed like the Dodgers didn't want to go to a three-year deal. But, the, but these pitchers are coming off the board, and the Angels are not signing them, whether it's Max Scherzer, whether it's Kevin Gaussman, and we'll get to Gaussman in a second. Whether it's Robbie Ray, I mean, where, where is Perry Mincian? You know, where is the Angels' general manager? Why have we not heard from them, other than two one two one year deals? You know, Mike Trout is not getting any younger. This is the best player in baseball, and you're wasting his prime. Shohei Otani just won the most valuable player because he had a Babe Ruth-like season where he hit over four, you know, hit like 45, almost 50 home runs and, you know, had like 160 strikeouts as a pitcher. I mean, you have two really rare talents on the roster, not to mention a really great player when he's healthy, and I know... Injuries have been an issue the first couple of years in Anaheim. But Anthony Rendon's a terrific third baseman. Jared Walsh is a young, budding star. 
Joe Adele is going to turn into a really nice player. Uh, Justin Upton on the downside, but could still provide some pop when need be. You know, there is plenty of firepower in the Angels lineup. There always has been. There's always been enough firepower to score runs in that Angel lineup. But their pitching never is any good. And whether it was Billy Epler, whether it's Perry Mincian, somebody needs to get pitching to Anaheim. Again, Marcus Stroman's still out there. Are they going to bring in another are they going to bring in another X Met? I don't know. We shall you know, we shall see. You know they need somebody you can rely on. And and that's one of the reasons why I like Strowman to Anaheim because the one thing about Strowman is he's going to go out there every fifth day, no questions asked. You're not worried about his health. He's a guy who takes extreme care of his body, knows his body better than probably anybody knows their own body. The way he provides himself with self-care and recovery and all of that stuff. You know, it's it, it's really a method that's actually kind of rare, and it's worked for him. He's been of you know, other than I gotta say, other than the year he, the year he tore his ACL, and I think it was twenty fifteen. Guys out there every start, guys not missing time, and the Angels would be so lucky to get a guy like Marcus Stroman. Who could go out there now? Your Boston's hot, hot for Strowman. I don't know if, I don't know if any offers are out there or, or whatnot. But you know, it would be it would behoove the Angels. It'd behoove the Angels to sign a pitcher. It really would, because they need one, in the worst way. Speaking of needing a pitcher in the worst way, we're staying in the AL West because the Seattle Mariners signed a guy. I thought the Angels should have been in on, in on Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray agrees to a five-year, $115 million deal to to uh, leave the Toronto Blue Jays and head to the Seattle Mariners. This after winning the, Cy Young, the American League Cy Young for the first time in his career. And you know what? That Cy Young added a few extra dollars to that contract. I think a high... A high eight year eight figure contract turned into a nice nice little nine figure contract hundred and fifteen million it's nothing to sneeze at for sure and the Mariners get the starting pitcher that they've been looking for so what they've done you know and the and the Mariners are going to be aggressive this off season you know this is a team that this is a team that has been and it has the longest professional drought in terms of not making the playoffs. The longest drought in professional sports without making the playoffs. 2001, when they set the record that they still hold to this day, 116 wins in 2001. That was the last time they made the playoffs, losing to the Yankees in the ALCS. And it's been 20 years. It is time. Mariners general manager Jerry Depoto is hungry. He is ready to spend the money. 
That's why I mentioned Michael Conforto being a nice, strong possibility for the Seattle outfield. Obviously, they you know they're still you know, they can still look at some infield positions, see what they do at third third base to replace Kyle Seager. But I mean, to get Robbie Ray on this five year deal, I actually think that this is a deal that's a little bit of a a little bit of a steal. But you know, again, pitching was needed here because right now you're you're uh, looking at Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, and Logan Gilbert uh, as the three other starters you could pencil in, and then you're kind of fighting for that five spot between maybe Justice Sheffield and Justin Dunn. And this was right after they acquired um, second baseman slash outfielder Adam Frazier from the from the Padres for two prospects, and. No, that was a good move for the Padres because they tried to get him to win uh, last season, and clearly they had a bad second half and they fell apart. But they want Jake Cronenworth to play second base every day. Plus, they have Hassan Kim, who is a shortstop slash second baseman, and obviously you're not getting many shortstop at bats because of Fernando Tatis Jr. And so Adam Frazier became a luxury to trade and the the Mariners get a guy who could play second base who could play the outfield I mean this is the start of what should be a very nice offseason for the Seattle Mariners in an American League West that has a lot of uncertainty at this moment I mean we we've seen Texas make the make the big moves Seattle's making big moves Houston signed Justin Verlander to a one-year 25 million dollar deal uh, last last Wednesday on the the seventeenth, um, okay, but Houston has a lot of uncertainty because I can't see a scenario where Carlos Correa returns. Alex Bregman's a year away from free agency, so you know I don't know what the Astros' future really looks like, and. It's probably not a, a, the the picture is not as rosy as they might make it out to be, and this is where these long and and especially with these long term deals, this is where maybe not this year, but the Rangers and Mariners start to swoop in and become the class of the ALS. And this is the other issue with the Angels not acquiring pitching because now they're falling behind, and again, Mike Trout's not getting any younger. You know, he turned 30 on August the 7th. He missed basically the whole year with a calf issue. So the Angels falling behind the Rangers and Mariners is not something they can afford. I mean, we know Oakland's going through a full rebuild. I mean, they let you know, they let Bob Melvin go, and Bob Melvin ends up becoming the manager of the San Diego Padres. So obviously they're without a manager. They're looking to trade guys like Matt Olson and Matt Chapman. You know, I'm sure Ramon Laureano could be had for the right price. Sean Manaya could be had for the right price. You know, there are guys that could be had from the Oakland lineup. And then you see two guys, you know, leaving to go elsewhere, you know, especially to the Mets, and that's Mark Canna and Starling Marte. So, I mean, clearly... It's a full rebuild for Oakland. But 
it looks like the future of the AL West is going to be between Texas and Seattle. I mean, that's just basically what it comes down to. Moving the connection from Seattle to Toronto, we're going to go to the team north of the border. They lose Robbie Ray to the Mariners, but no mind. They're signing Kevin Gaussman, who was in the who was in the running for NL Cy Young most of the year. Faded a little bit in the second half. He gets he gets five years, one hundred and ten million to go to the Blue Jays. He took what seems to be about $10 million less uh, than what the Mets offered him. The Mets offered Gossman about $120 million, it seems. But good for him. He, go, he goes to Toronto, and he goes to a loaded team. You know, I mentioned before about how loaded their lineup is. I mean, you also can't forget Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield. You know, this team is... Ready to win. The Blue Jays are looking for the the Blue Jays are looking for a chance to be the class of the American League East. And the way the way that they're operating, you know, they are more they are more than ready to try to win. I mean, I don't know how much I trust Boston. I think they could be more of a, a one year thing to, unless Unless they decide to spend a significant amount in the offseason, you know, are they going to sign Javi Baez? Are they going to sign um, Marcus Stroman? The only thing, the only reason why I see um, Boston being unlikely for Baez is because Baez wants to play shortstop. And that's why Detroit makes a lot of sense. But also, Detroit makes a lot of sense for Carlos Correa, another big free agent that's still out there. So, I mean, you look at the Blue Jays, they get better. Obviously, you have you have Hyunjin Ryu, whom you signed a couple you signed a couple of years ago. Um, you know, this you know, Jose Barrios just got a 7-year, 131 million dollar expense uh, extension. So, they clearly are in a position. Obviously, they would like to upgrade the bullpen a little bit more and, you know, they will. But at this point, you know they got they got George Springer last year. Have Randall Grichuk as well, but they they're clearly in a position to win. And if you look at the division, Tampa Bay's always always going to be there. And I am so happy for Wander Franco because it seemed like there's only been two. There's now only been two guys that the Rays have really taken care of. That was Evan Longoria. And now Wander Franco. He gets a, I think it's an 11-year, $187 million extension um, that kicks in next year. And they saw enough in his rookie year. I mean, this is their franchise right there. This is their top prospect. And he lived up to the hype immediately. And... He's going to be there for a very long time, and they they are there to make sure that he's not going to he's not going to leave. He's not going to be a prospect that they end up trading, you know, whether it's or, or any kind of guy that they've grown into any kind of success, whether it's David Price, Chris Archer, Blake Snell, just from the pitching side of things, um, Carl you know Carl Crawford left the free agency because they weren't going to spend the money to pay him and. I think they were right on that one. But, I mean, what Kevin Cash is going on in Tampa Bay, I mean, they're, 
they're they're terrific. And Corey Kluber signs to a one year eight million dollar deal, so adds the rotation and this this would be very Yankees this would be very bad for the Yankees if uh if Corey Kluber turns out to be anything, because I mean you got basically a disappointing non factor of a two thousand twenty one season from Corey Kluber. Spent most of the season injured and when he was on when other than the no hitter that he threw, when he was on the mound, really wasn't all that effective and now he goes to the Rays where the Rays are just a pitching factory. I mean, I don't know what Ty, what Tyler Glasnow's prospects will be for 2022 because of the Tommy John surgery. Might miss the whole year and you're not going to see him until 2023. But you know, that's that's why that that's why that they're in that's why they're interested in just these one-year arms just trying to get them through get them through this season. Yeah, you know, because they really still have, in my mind, the best chance to win this division, despite what Toronto has done. But Toronto's a close second at this point, and right now it's two above the rest. I think Boston's still a decent team, and then there's this one team in this Amer- in the American League East that's not doing a damn thing, and that's the New York Yankees. And at some point. Brian Cashman has to wake up. I mean, looking at who is signed, I think the only guy who is signed that should have been on the Yankees' radar was Corey Seager. Now, I don't know if they were going to go to the lengths of 10 years, $325 million to sign him, but because that would be three $300 million contracts on the roster already with Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole. And the bill is about to come due for Aaron Judge. And that's your franchise right there. Are you going to make him your franchise and pay him long term? Or do you have to look at trading him with a year to go before free agency? I mean, that's part of the, it's a, it's a part of the caveat of the New York Yankees. I mean... There was never much talk about Starling Marte, but you would think that the Yankees could use a center fielder. Um, I mean, I know they signed they signed Aaron Hicks to a seven-year, $70 million deal a couple of years ago, but the guy's never healthy. And you keep just end up throwing Brett Gardner out there. How many, I mean, how many times are you going to sign Brett Gardner to a one-year deal? I mean, at some point, you got to cut the bait. Thank you for being a great Yankee for all those years, but it's over. So, you know, why are you not going out there spending on the center fielder? You know, they cl- and they clearly have an issue because uh, jo- you know, Joey Gallo was horrendous last year, and apparently they're fielding calls. I mean, obviously, every team is making calls about pretty much, all, pretty much everybody. You're, you, you're gauging the market at this point, but, you know, Joey Gallo is probably going to be the left fielder on most days. And there's going to be days where you're going to put Joey in right, and you're going to have Aaron Judge in center, and you're going to have Giancarlo Stanton in left. But Giancarlo Stanton, if he plays 140 games, you know, you hope for, at least, 110 of those are probably going to be at the DH position. And that's one of the things I really don't like about the DH Unless you have a team that 
is a little vers is more versatile, and you could slide guys in and out of the DH spot. I don't like teams that have DH. Like that's literally what he does. I mean, sure, it was cool with Big Poppy and you know David Ortiz in Boston. You know, we know Nelson Cruz is basically resigned to just being a DH at this point in his career, but I'm not a fan of. Yeah, I mean, I'm a National League fan, so I don't like the DH to begin with. But I'm not a fan of a team that just says DH. Now, you can kind of say the Angels are like that because of Shohei Otani. But Shohei Otani also pitches every few every few days. So the, they, they are able to rotate in other DHs. But for the Yankees, at some point, something's got to happen. And I'm not talking about a minor league deal with Jolie Rodriguez or Jose Peraza, who had some very nice clutch hits, clutch hits for the Mets last year. You know, I thought he did a, I thought he did a wonderful job. You know, in in certain situations for the Mets, but look, the Yankees, the Yankees got to make a big move. They, they, the Yankees really got to make a big move. So. Looking at some other signings, uh, that was really my chain correlation there of some deals. No terms yet, but it looks like the Giants are finalizing a deal with Alex Cobb to bring him to San Francisco. So obviously that looks like to be one of their choices for replacement of Kevin Gaussman. The Braves are signing a former Padre closer Kirby Yates to a two-year, $8.25 million deal. Uh, the Dodgers are nearing a deal with uh, Daniel Hudson, the former Nationals reliever. The Marlins. How about the Marlins making some nice moves this offseason? You know, they, they trade today for Jacob Stallings, the former catcher of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They... Reached a five-year extension with Sandy Alcantara, and that was a that was just a steal. I mean, you, you got to be kidding me! Five years, fifty-six million dollars. This guy, I mean, this guy's a this guy's a good pitcher. I mean, so so the Marlins, the Marlins are starting to spend a little bit of money, and you know, I think they're still five of five in the National League East because, you know. We know, even though that they haven't done anything yet, the Philadelphia Phillies are going to spend money. They might spend it on Chris Bryant. They might spend it on pitching. You would hope it's pitching. But you clearly look at an aggressive Phillies team. You know, general manager Dave Dombrowski is not afraid to spend the money. He's, you know, spent the money on Zach Wheeler. He obviously wasn't there for the Harper deal, but, you know, obviously he's got that big contract on his plate right now. He signed JT, he re-signed JT Rail Muto. So, I mean, clearly, the Phils are not afraid to spend money. And the Phils are the Phils are another team desperate for a winner. I mean, I know they won the World Series back in 2008. That's 13 years ago. I mean, there are there are some franchises going on over a decade. And the Yankees are another one that, you know, they haven't won a World Series. So... I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures. That's why I'm so critical of the Yankees because it's like your goal. You're literally the definition of championship or bust. George Steinbrenner set that precedent. And now your son, Hal, 
is not following that. I mean, at some point, enough is enough. You know, so I don't think it's all on Brian Cashman, but again, he's the one assembling the roster and, and probably the main voice in the negotiations with agents and player reps. So, you know, at some point, the Yankees, that's why that's why I said the Yankees got to do something. I mean, here the Marlins are even spending a little bit of money. So, so that's a look at um, some of the other notable moves. I'm trying to see if I have any other breaking news before we sign off. It's 10.23 Eastern Time at this point. Um, no, nothing right now. No, no breaking news at this point. So that's gonna be it for the. That's gonna be it for this baseball banter podcast. Probably record next Wednesday. I, I don't know, you know, what news there will be with the impending lockout. Maybe we'll get some news on some progress between the players and owners, but you know, we'll, you know, we'll have to see where that takes us. So, so long until next time. I'm Justin Ginelli.